invite you to please stand with me for the reading of today's scripture passage. Today's scripture passage is 1 John chapter 4. Scripture reading from 1 John 4, 7 to 15. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. The one who does not love God does not know God, because God is love. By this the love of God was revealed in us, that God has sent his only Son into the world so that we may live through him. In this is love, not that we love God, he loved us and, has, and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God remains in us and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we remain in him and he in us because he has given to us of his spirit. We have seen and testify that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God remains in him, and he in God. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Annie. You may be seated. Thank you. Well, our entire passage is 1 John 4, 7 through 21. If you have your Bibles and want to follow along, I'll be making mention of various uh, scripture verses in that passage, not all of them, but uh, some of them today. Well, a woman had left work late one night. She got on the freeway. And there was a terrible fog and a mist that had rolled in. She didn't want to just pull over, and so she cautiously decided to follow the taillights of the car in front of her to her exit. So she did that, and when she saw that the car ahead of her exited at the same exit that she normally took, she was quite relieved, and so she continued to follow the taillights of the car in front of her until suddenly they stopped. So she stopped. She waited. The car in front of her didn't move. So she honked her horn, and all of a sudden, the lights on the car in the front of her went out. She looked carefully through the fog and she saw someone getting out of the car in front of her. As the figure approached, she saw that it was a very large man. She quickly checked to make sure that her doors were locked. She fumbled in her purse and pulled out her mace. She waited. The man came and knocked on the window of her car. She cautiously rolled it down just a little bit, and she said, What's wrong with you for stopping in the middle of the road like that? The man said, I'm sorry, ma'am, but we're in my driveway. <laughs> you see, following someone in the fog won't necessarily get you home, but it might get you into a stranger's driveway with mace in your hand. She could have set the GPS on her phone, set it for home, and followed carefully through the fog, but she didn't. She was in the driver's seat, 
and fear caused her to make a bad decision. She got off track. That reminds me that we as God's people aren't immune to the things in this life that cause fear for us. The death of a spouse or parents or a child leaves us feeling alone and afraid of the future without them. We lose a job and the security of a paycheck and then we wonder, how are we going to make it now? We care for aging parents and we feel afraid of making the wrong decisions or being inadequate in the job. Our spouse decides the marriage is over after years together and we are now alone and wonder what the future will hold for us. A pandemic sweeps across the land, creating upheaval and uncertainty and lasting far longer than anyone imagined. And we wonder, will this ever end? You see, the fog rolls in, and we can't see how to go forward. Pain confuses us, and fear sometimes causes us to follow the wrong taillights. Well, we've been exploring through the first letter of John for seven weeks now, and we've been focusing on this key theme that flows through the letter, the word koinonia, that blessed connection of fellowship with the Lord and with his called out people, his church. We are created to connect. Last week, we were asked to test the reality and the vitality of fellowship. And that's because not everything called fellowship or called spiritual comes from God's Holy Spirit. There is a spirit of error, which comes from the Antichrist, as well as the spirit of truth, which comes from God. We learned that the Holy Spirit never promotes himself, but always proclaims Jesus. And so any message which claims to come from the Holy Spirit, which is not centered in the person and work of Jesus Christ, is to be rejected as not coming from God. Because the Holy Spirit is sent to lead us, to guide us into all truth. And we know that Jesus' own statement about himself when he said, Not that he was just a truth, but that he is the truth. And it is by the Spirit which testifies of the work of Jesus Christ on the cross for us that we can be more than overcomers. It is by the Spirit that we are compelled to love one another. Verse 7 and 8 which we have sung this morning, which you heard read just a moment ago. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. These words of John are written in the language of a command. It's not just a wish of John's that everybody would have warm, fuzzy feelings towards one another. No, this is not a a take-it-or-leave-it proposition. Love, agape love, deep, self-sacrificial love is the very proof that we are God's children. And so today we want to explore this idea of the spirit of fellowship that brings us together just a bit more. And I, I want to do that by maybe taking you on a brief trip like that woman in her car on that foggy night, we too are on a journey. Though our destination is not a house, but an eternal home in full fellowship with the Lord in heaven. 
And so let's just think a bit about this trip that we're on. The first thing that we want to recognize on our journey is that we always need a guide. Whether we're using a map or our GPS or just working from our memory, we need a guide through the fog of life. And so we discover that the Lord provides, first of all, for his people, not just a guide, but the guide, the Holy Spirit. He is our helper and our comforter. He is the spirit of fellowship guiding us to God's love. For each child of God, the Apostle John confirms in our text, in verse 13, this truth. Let's look at this together. By this we know that we remain in him and he in us because he has given to us of his spirit. In the very first four verses of our text today, they take a journey of their own to show us that the Holy Spirit and Jesus, God's Son, and God the Father are all integrally linked together. God's Spirit is given to us. God the Father sent His Son to save us. And when we accept this truth and acknowledge it with our lives, God then lives in us. And we live in God. It's a truth that we can know on, that we can rely on. The foundation of it all, God loves us. It's the Holy Spirit that draws us to God. It is the message of the Holy Spirit that he uses to draw every single person. And what is that message? We are sinners. We are separated from God. And he provided his son, a savior, to bridge that separation. Before he left this world, Jesus laid out this promise and his, this plan to his disciples. And our friend, John the Apostle, whose letter that we've been studying, also wrote about this in his gospel, the gospel of John. And I want to read just a portion of that to you in John chapter 16. These are the words of our Lord. Listen carefully. He says, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I am leaving. For if I do not leave, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And he, when he comes, will convict the world regarding sin and righteousness and judgment. Regarding sin, because they do not believe in me. And regarding righteousness, because I am going to the Father and you no longer are going to see me. And regarding judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged. I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them all at the present time. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will disclose to you what is coming. He will glorify me, for he will take from mine and will disclose it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. This is why I said that he takes from mine and will disclose it to you. And so Jesus carefully laid out the message of the Holy Spirit and the promise of the Holy Spirit and the purpose of the Holy Spirit. And so why is it for their good? And our good that Jesus went away? Well, it's because without the cross, without his sacrifice and the victory of the resurrection, we would have no hope at all. 
to be reconciled with the Father. But it also includes the Holy Spirit's presence in the world after Jesus is gone. And that presence is what we're exploring today. The presence of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit does two powerful things. First, he convicts us all that we need a Savior. He shows us our sin. He shows us our unrighteousness. He shows us the judgment that awaits us. And that's a sobering picture that he shows us. But then secondly, he guides believers in the truth. He comforts us when we're afraid. He reminds us of our unity with God and with one another. And he provides us with the words that we need to speak as witnesses of the resurrection. He glorifies Jesus. He testifies about Jesus. He points to Jesus. He helps us grow to be like Jesus. Jesus makes it very clear. His Holy Spirit becomes our GPS system to make it through the pervasive fog of this world to get home and to get to him and to help others make it as well. He is our guide. He is the guide. And so we are not only blessed with the best guide of all, but secondly, we have the best driver. The best driver for our journey. Have you ever seen these bumper stickers that some people put on the back of their car? It says, God is my co-pilot. That is wrong. Next time you see that, just think about that. Say, that's a wrong statement. God is not our co-pilot. He is the pilot. He is the driver. We are just along for the ride. And so let's sit back and get comfortable and let the driver, and not just any driver, but the driver of love, get us home. God is love. Three of the most powerful words in Scripture. Look at verse 19 with me, where John reminds us. We love because he first loved us. He is the driver of love. God isn't just about loving. He's not just about love. He is love. He is the destination of love. And he initiated this love relationship with us. It's the reason he created us. And it's the reason that he was willing to send his son to be our savior after we broke up with him. It's important to understand that each of us broke up with God. Every single one of us is kind of like a, a cheater. When I was 15 years old, I had a girlfriend. At least I thought I did. And then I heard that she went out with some other guy. And I asked her about it. I'd even given her a little ring, not a fancy ring. But I thought we had a relationship. And in that conversation, she broke up with me. And I said, what about my ring? And she said, I threw it out in the field behind school. I never found that ring. And then a few weeks later, she came to me and she wanted to get back together. And I thought, I'd rather eat glass than get together with you. That's never going to happen. You see, the pain of rejection and betrayal runs deep. And it doesn't usually lead to the one who was hurt saying, okay, let's do that again. 
It's a big love killer as far as we humans are concerned. God's word reminds us that every one of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That all have turned away. Every single one of us have chosen sin over self, uh, sin and self over God and over his ways. In Romans chapter 3 and verse 10, it says, There is no one righteous, not even one. And so from Adam and Eve, way back at the beginning, to Rob Carney, and everyone in between, we have cheated on God. But instead of God saying, I'd rather eat glass before I forgive them, God initiated healing for our brokenness. Romans 5.8, God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God didn't wait until we were ready for this relationship to be restored. He restored it through the sacrifice of his son while we were still cheating on him. And when we surrender to that kind of love, God doesn't just give us a cheap ring. He gives us himself. He gives us his Holy Spirit in verse 12 of our text today in 1 John 4, it says, whoever remains in this love remains in God and God in him. And the fear of being punished for our sin is replaced. It's replaced with an absolute assurance that on the day of judgment, this love that he has provided with us will carry us on towards eternity. Now we live in this world and the prince of this world, Satan, is the god of fear. He is the accuser. He will constantly try to remind you of your sin and of your past. And when he does, if you are in Jesus, you can remind him of your father's love. You can remind him of the complete forgiveness that you've received in Jesus Christ, your Savior. In verse 18 of our text, it says, there is no fear in love. John goes on to say, perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears, John says, is not made complete in love. And so the next time that you feel fear welling up in your life, fear about circumstances and events in this world, Fear about God's love for you. Fear about whatever it is that is causing you to step into anxiety and worry. Remember that when God is in the driver's seat, he is moving us. Moving us towards completion. Moving us towards wholeness. Moving us towards being more like Jesus in this world. And that has been his plan since before the creation of the world. How can you tell if someone is deeply in love with God? Well, it's all about observing the direction in which they're headed. Who's driving the car? It's a good question to ask yourself. Who's driving your car? Is it you or is it God? You see, Satan wants us to believe that we are in control, right? We're the masters of our own destiny. 
that our life is all about our plans and our desires and our goals. And we become fixated on those things. And that's when we seize control of the steering wheel. God is the driver. If we are to live in love and experience the full love of Christ, we need to learn to turn over that control. And guess what? God is a way better driver than you ever will be. Well, this brings us then to the third gift that God has given us for navigating this journey through life. We have the guide, and we have the driver, and then finally, we have the destination. The destination. Now, what is the destination? Well, the quick and easy answer, of course, is heaven. But you already know that, right? Well, heaven is our ultimate destination, though we have some stops and layovers along the way. You could kind of think of these like preliminary destinations before getting to your final stop. And so let's look at verses 20 and 21 of our text. It says, if someone says, I love God, and yet hates his brother or sister, he is a liar. For the one who does not love his brother and sister, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, that the one who loves God must also love his brother and sister. John says that it's impossible to love God and hate people. Now, it's not impossible to say that you love God and hate people, but he says if you do, then you're a liar. You know, real love is, is never safe. It's never easy. Anyone can love people that they like. Anyone can love people who love them back. But in truth, that's not complete love. That's what the world does. And it doesn't require any spiritual transformation at all. It doesn't require God at all. It just requires me trading my friendship for someone else's. And then if someone hurts my feelings or does something that I don't like or that I don't agree with, I just cut them off, kick them to the curb. I just end the relationship. But John says, if you claim to be in love with God and operate like that, then you cannot truly love God. Your claim about loving him is false. You remember the story of the Good Samaritan? Jesus told that, that wonderful parable. And he talked about the two religious leaders, the Levite and the priest. And they came along and they saw that Samaritan. And they made claims to love God, to belong to God. But you remember the story, right? When they saw the Samaritan, what did they do? They crossed to the other side of the road. And they ignored him and went on their own way. They passed by without loving him at all. A little boy was walking by a pet shop on his way to school. And he stopped and he stared through the window like a little boy might do. Because inside the front window was a litter of puppies playing together. Who wouldn't want to stop and look at the puppies? Well, that day after school, he ran home and he pleaded with his mother to let him go down to the store and get one of the puppies. I'll take care of it, mom. I promise I will. 
I've saved all my allowance and my birthday money. I have enough money to buy the puppy with my own money, mom. Please, mom, please, can I get the puppy? Well, the mother, knowing full well the complications of having a new puppy and bringing that into a busy household, she was hesitant. But she couldn't resist that little boy. Please, mommy. Okay, son, you can get the puppy. But you have to take care of it. Oh, mom, I will, I promise. And so filled with excitement, that little boy ran all the way back to that pet shop to get his new puppy. After determining that the boy had enough money, the pet shop owner brought him to the window to choose his new puppy. After looking at the, all the puppies for a few minutes, the boy said, I want that little one in the corner. Oh, son, no, the pet, pet own, shop owner said, no, not, you don't want that one. He's, he's the runt. He's crippled. Notice how he's just sitting there in the corner. There's something wrong with one of his legs. That's why he can't run and play with the rest of the puppies. You should choose one of these other puppies. Well, without saying a word, little boy reached down and he lifted up his pant leg to show the chrome brace on his leg. And he said, no, sir, I want to take the puppy in the corner. You see, it turned out that what disqualified the puppy from being chosen by others is what most qualified him to be chosen by that little boy. You know, it's amazing how often we waver. We waver in our belief about the unqualified grace of God. Oh yes, we believe God loves us as long as we're clean and whole and fixed. But you see, what it, it turns out that what disqualifies you and me from our spirituality, the mess of our lives, our own brokenness, that is what most qualifies us to be chosen by Jesus. And then we in turn we learn to love others. You see, that is our destination. That is our goal. That is our purpose in this world, to love others in their brokenness as Christ has loved us. To live like Jesus in this world. His entire life on earth was spent helping others. What are we supposed to do? What are you supposed to do? You may never raise the dead. You may never heal the sick. You may never cause the, the lame to leap. You may never cause the dumb to speak. You may never cause the blind to see. You may never cause the sick to be well. You may never still the wind or calm the storm. But still, to live like Jesus is your goal. How are we supposed to live like Jesus in this broken, messed up world. Well, the Apostle Peter gave a one-sentence biography of Jesus when he was speaking to Cornelius in Acts chapter 10. I want you to listen to this one verse. Peter said, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good. That's Acts 10.38. So when Jesus saw hungry people, he fed them. 
And when Jesus saw cold people, he clothed them. And when Jesus saw sad people, he cheered them. When Jesus saw discouraged people, he encouraged them. When Jesus saw weary people, he strengthened them. When Jesus saw people, he blessed them. He blessed those that cursed him. He loved those that hated him. He prayed for those that used him. He never sought revenge. He never tried to get back at anyone. When one betrayed him, he called him his friend. When people reviled him, he did not retaliate. And when they nailed him to the cross, he prayed for their forgiveness. Jesus of Nazareth, who went about doing good. That is who we are supposed to be. In every city, in every town, in every neighborhood, in every office, in every workplace, in every home. We are meant to touch lives for God's glory. We are meant to show the love of Christ. God has called us to bring blessing to others. That is our destination in this world. The true spirit of fellowship with his Holy Spirit as our guide, with the Lord as our driver, may we safely arrive, having completed the journey that he has set out before us. Will you pray with me? Father God, we are...